Good morning, or whatever time of day it is for you as you are taking this in. For those of us joining our live session, welcome. It's good to be together. I'm still getting used to this concept of online church as being together. But I have to recognize that we don't have to be sitting beside each other to be in community with each other. So if you're watching this after the fact, why don't you try joining us live next Sunday at 10.30 for a more together experience. So several weeks ago, as I was studying and reflecting on chapter 3 of the book of Joshua, which was our teaching for that day, one line in the introductory scene of that chapter just lodged in my mind and I couldn't let go of it. Since, because you have never been this way before. We were in that period where we were all starting to ask the question, where is this whole COVID-19 going? As I talked to people that I trusted and watched media and saw every single opinion and perspective on the spectrum, it became evident very quickly that many of these people had very clear agendas, which made me wonder whether I could trust them. And that phrase from Joshua 3 began to Well, to say it haunted me might be overstating it, except sometimes at 2.30 in the morning. What if some of the quieter, more thoughtful, and thought-out perspectives are accurate? That we really never have been this way before. But before we look into God's direction for us, let's get on the table some of the ways that we've already found ourselves responding. Many of them, not intentionally, just instinctively, Just natural grooves we fall into simply because we've never been this way before. We tend to just slip into natural grooves, ruts, as we try to come to terms with life situations, don't we? And even though we're only a few weeks in, some of those natural but not necessarily helpful ruts are already being exposed in the way we're responding. If you haven't seen them in yourself yet, you've seen them in others, and trust me, Others have seen them in you. So let's just put them out there. This is not a complete list, but I've come up with five common ruts. Fight, flout and flaunt, flee, fairyland, freeze, and flop. By the way, just so you know, I didn't make these up or come up with them as I watched other people. More of these than I want to admit came to me as I reflected on how I was feeling and thinking and at the edge or maybe just over the edge sometimes of acting out. Some of us just naturally want to take this thing on our shoulders right now and fight it with all the energy we have. Now there's a time for fighting strategically together. But for some of us, it's an instinctive knee-jerk coping response And we end up forcing ourselves onto situations that make things worse and not better. Wearing ourselves and others out. And we get impatient with others. And frustrated with ourselves as we go madly off in all directions. We just stir the pot harder and guilt others into fighting with us. Some of us have done the flout and flaunt thing. We openly disregard advice and flaunt our macho attitude. I'm not afraid of this thing. It's not that big a deal. You may be scared of it, but I'm not. I'm going on just like normally. Folks, can I just put it out there? 
We're at the point that this is becoming more than an unhelpful rut when we act this way. It's becoming a dangerous response, not just for for ourselves, but for others. For some of us, flee is what we do. Run as far away as we can, trying to outrun everything. Wish we could live on some desert island alone. Folks, we know that we can't outrun this thing. And we need to face it together. Now, closely related to fleeing is what I call the fairy tale land response. La da 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 da. If I just don't look at it, it might just go away, right? Denial. Some of us may not run, but, but we freeze. We just can't seem to do anything. We freeze outwardly because inwardly our minds and hearts are spinning furiously with worry. So just to let you know, I found myself in these last 10 days having to work hard not to take a fighting posture and then not to freeze. Some of us do more than freeze. We just flop, give up, quit. It's no use. We may not be there yet, but we can see a time when we'll be tempted to just give it up. But... Then we read or think about Paul's challenge to the church in the Galatia region in the New Testament when he says, let us not become weary in doing good for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So as we have the opportunity, let us keep on doing good to and for all people, especially those who belong to the family of Jesus. Folks, flopping is not an option. And when it feels like it, we need to hear what it is God says because we have never been this way before. So what do I do with that? Well, for starters, it might be helpful to simply put it out there, let it be exposed to yourself, but perhaps also with someone else close to you. If, if you're comfortable, chat about it online. I'm this, what are you? Please don't use this list as a way to beat up on someone without them asking. Just saying, I don't want to harm any marriages here. But don't wait until someone has to get it out there to recognize your natural groove that you fall into that's not helpful. The point is the reality we live in is is not just our external reality. A virus crisis. We also live in and force others to live in the reality of our responses to it. Our responses have a ripple effect in our environment. They either help or they hinder. And that is why we regularly need to bring ourselves, all of ourselves, into the reality of God's word. I love and just uh, worked in my heart this week the statement from Romans chapter 15 verse 4. For everything that was written in the past... The past at that time was the Older Testament, including the book of Joshua. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might live in hope. Our commitment to you is to help you endure. Not just endure, but to be strengthened, to serve to do good to each other and our world with hope in a bigger reality than is, than is in our face through the encouragement of the word of God. 
As we get to, uh, got together as a staff to figure out what God was calling us to do as a team to guide our church family into this place and through this place we've never been before, we decided that it doesn't change our vision. Love God, love people, serve the world. Our mission hasn't changed, bringing Jesus into life in our networks and neighborhoods. We've sharpened it a bit to say that we want to help everyone in our church family live in the hope and love of Jesus and together make the hope and love of Jesus real in our networks and in our neighborhoods. So let's get back to that one thing that we talked about already today that was written in the past in Joshua which is the sixth book of the Older Testament. I love Dave's emphasis last week as he taught us from chapter five of Joshua about how significant, how many different ways God has Joshua lead his people in the preparation phase. The first five chapters of the book are all about getting ready, establishing patterns to be able to stay ready. You see, we wanna move on. We wanna go, do something but to do it well and to keep on doing it well. For the long haul, we need to work from a solid foundation of continual readiness. And this morning, we're gonna use the word serve as an acronym. And we wanna talk mostly from this scene in Joshua chapter three about that first letter, S. How to be ready and stay ready to serve together when we can't be together. And it's rooted in what Joshua tells his people because they have never been this way before. Let's go back to the banks of the Jordan. God's people have pulled up camp, all two million of them, set up at the outskirts of the Jordan River Valley, looking over the swollen, flooded Jordan River. And Joshua has the tribal representatives go around and give people instructions about what they will do next. The next step in their preparation, the key readiness factor we need to live in. And I'm going to read again the first four verses of Joshua chapter 3, which we looked at several weeks ago. Chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Never been this way before? Well, as Joshua was speaking to the people, he said, you have never been this way before. This generation had never been at this place before, but the previous generation had been to this place before. They had stood at the edge of the Jordan River and they had turned back. And so as a people... They had been to this place, but they had turned back from this place and had never crossed this barrier into the land on the other side. Their parents had been to this place, but they had turned back. Doesn't that describe the journey some of us have had with God? 
we come to a certain place, but when we encounter some issue, some barrier, perhaps some distraction, we just turn back and don't follow through. Is that you? Perhaps this might be a time for you to reconsider as we come into this situation we've never been before and ask yourself the question, is there some way in which I need to come back to God? What does it say these people are to do because they've never been this way before? Well, it's all about this little piece of furniture called the ark. The ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, follow it. Then you will know which way to go because you have never been this way before. As we saw two weeks ago, the the ark was a fairly small gold box that was a symbol that God had had them make to, to acknowledge his presence with them. And in the ark were several key artifacts that represented the leadership that God had provided for them. The stone tablets of the law from Mount Sinai were in the ark. They represented the word of God, the direction of God they were to live by. A jar of manna referred to the provision of God in the desert for their daily needs. And the rod of Aaron, Moses' brother, was in there, which represented the protection and direction of God on this journey. But what I'd like to focus on today as we talk about the first letter in our serve response is that phrase that we skipped over last time. It says, but keep a distance of about one kilometer, actually, between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now, some of us see that statement, keep a distance. And we look at the first letter in our serve acronym and we're thinking ahead and we're saying, oh, I get it. S, social Distancing is the first step to be able to serve for the long term. Really clever, Mel. See, you don't have to be here. I know what you're thinking. Well, yes, sort of. Actually, Joshua was talking about social distancing, really. Just not in the way we've come to think about it. And there are two reasons they were supposed to keep a distance. Number one, what was the point of this whole thing? Since they had never been this way before, they are to watch God lead. That's number one. They are to watch God lead. Here's two million people in the Jordan River Valley, probably on a bit of an incline, a a natural sloped um, outdoor amphitheater looking down into the river valley. If they stayed back, all they could see was the people in front of them and around them. If they stayed close, that's all they could see. If they stayed back, everyone could see what God would do. It wouldn't be just hearsay. Propaganda pushed by the leadership elite using this God idea to manipulate them. It's like when Jesus rose from the dead. One of the things that convinced Paul, the anti-Jesus Jewish skeptic, that Jesus really did rise from the dead, what was the number of people to whom Jesus actually had appeared and the number of times he had done that. 
These were tons of eyewitnesses across all classes and all uh, social spectrums. Yes, it is about faith in God, but it's a faith that's based on seeing things and recognizing things that have happened in real life, in real time, that God did and does. At a one kilometer distance, everyone could watch God lead. But that one kilometer distance also brought to their minds another factor. It was actually a reminder of the original, the origin of this whole significance of social distancing from God. There's four things we need to see that they saw. Three things they saw. One thing that we can see. Number one, social distancing was actually a consequence a result of humanity distancing ourselves from God, abandoning our creator, our creature covenant of relationship. You can check that out in the third chapter of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, when human beings were infected with a virus to which we were susceptible. The idea that we don't need God because we want to be God for ourselves. The consequence was that God Kick them out of the garden of his presence. Ooh. Why such an extreme reaction? Because God hated them? Because God didn't want their virus to infect him? Because a holy God can't remain holy in the presence of sin? No, no, and no. God enforced social distancing not to prevent the spread of the virus but to protect us from being destroyed by his holiness, his purity, his perfection. It's not because a holy God can't stand sin. It's to protect us It's because sin and sin-infected beings cannot stand and exist in the presence of God. Now that fact helps us understand one of the key pieces of the ark, the, the, the law of God, the Ten Commandments. Let's think of those commandments in light of this original social distancing reality. As the COVID-19 virus began to spread, one of the main things that it took people uh, in this world too much time to come to grips with is that it's, it's not something we can stop. Our effort must be fo- focused on minimizing the spread, flattening the curve, as they say, and, and that gives us a perspective on how to see one of those symbols in the ark. That old covenant law, the, the Ten Commandments particularly, You see, sometimes we think that God's law is there to say, if you don't do this, you might not be infected. You can prove that you're not that badly infected, that you're okay. No, friends, we're all infected. The law, the rules were given so that we would do life in a way that would minimize the destructive power of the virus that is in us as humans. If you do these things, God is saying, you will keep your community from being totally destroyed by the virus, even though you can't stop it completely. 
We can't stop the spread, but we can limit the spread. But, but what good is that if it will eventually take over anyway? Well, the rest of the story of reality, as God gives it to us in his word, is the story of how God, in Jesus, entered our infected environment, took on our human existence to deal with the infection, with the only thing that cures, paying the price, offering us to become clean, free, and reconnected with him. It's the, it's the, addresses the problem of social distancing, the real original social distancing, the consequence of the virus called sin that Jesus came to resolve. In Jesus, God did not distance himself from us. He came to take on our infected, death-bound life. And in his death and resurrection, he became the antiviral cure available free of charge to anyone who will take it. You see, there is no vaccine. It's too late. We're infected. We're all infected. But Jesus is God's cure. I, I love that account that we looked at last week or last year around this time uh, in the record of Jesus' life as we found it in the book of Mark where everyone is hurrying to get Jesus somewhere so he can heal another person. And in that crowd, Jesus is touched by a woman who knew she was infected. She was unclean. A woman who had been in a required socially isolated situation in her community for years. She was not allowed to touch people and they were not allowed to touch her. Anyone that touched her or that she touched was considered ritually unclean until they went through a, a ritual cleansing process. But in desperation... This woman violates all of the social distancing rules and she reaches out and touches Jesus. She tries to remain anonymous in the crowd and, and just do it quickly, hoping no one will notice. But Jesus stops and makes a scene. He makes an example of her. What will Jesus do? Everyone expects him to turn this into an example of the ultimate violation of God's social distancing rules. Not only the rules, but because now Jesus has to go and be made ritually clean again before he can go on to touch and heal this other person. But instead of making an example of why the social, thing, social distancing rules were in place and what would happen if you broke them, Jesus turns it on its head and it becomes an example of the ultimate cleansing God offers he flipped the whole picture. Woman, he says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In anticipation, as a precursor, a signal of what he will do on the cross for everyone who reaches out to him, Jesus demonstrated God's true approach to the social distancing consequence of the sin virus that is in us all. I love the way Josh Ryan Butler puts it in his book, The Pursuing God. Rather than transferring her impurity onto him, through her touch, Jesus transfers his purity to her. But, but that's not the way viruses work. It can't work that way. I need to protect myself by distancing, by limiting. Not anymore. In the book of Hebrews, one of the people who finally got it after Jesus died puts it this way. Therefore, 
Let us approach confidently God's throne of holiness? Oh yes, it's there. But what we see is a throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace whenever we need help. In Jesus, the God who said you can't come near has himself come near to us and invites us in Jesus to come near to him. And now, what we get to look at is not a gold box. What we can look at and look at everything through is an empty cross and an empty tomb which is an open door for us back into the presence of God. So let's, let's bring this home. Folks, to be ready to serve truly with the love and hope of Jesus is not just to wash our hands. Oh yeah, we need to wash our hands. But to be truly clean, we need to know that our hearts have been washed, our entire beings cleansed from the virus that we all have. Are you ready to serve? Are you truly foundationally equipped to let go of those less than helpful kinds of responses by dealing with the virus that won't just hurt the body, but forever separate us from the love of God? Now, before we do the big reveal on the first letter of serve, let's, let's take a quick look at what that list of natural but unhelpful responses all have in common. Fight, flout and flaunt, flee, fairy tale land, freeze, flop. Can you see something that all of these have in common? Every single one of them are self-referenced, aren't they? They're me-focused, either self-protective or self-promoting. So here's the number one thing in being ready to serve. We need to see beyond ourselves to the God who has served us, who has loved me with an everlasting love and is still leading those who look to him. In Jesus, God has drawn near to us and will keep on leading us home. Friends, let's not fill our time listening to 143 different versions of what's happening in our world from 17 different perspectives. We need to stay current. Listen to the right stuff. But we need to stay current with hope, knowing we're in the bigger story, God's story, which we find in the Word. Through, the endurance, and through, through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we have hope for today. Now, let me just highlight two things we're doing right now to try and help us, help keep us together and encourage each other to be ready to serve. Number one, we're trying to call every single person who considers Ellenslee their church home on the phone. We have a team that's excited about doing that and they're already um, partway through that. If you haven't been called by the end of this week, well, number one, check your messages. There may be a message. And number two, it may be because we don't have your contact information. Would you email it to us? Just email erbc at erbc.ca. We want to be able to do our part to, to stay connected with you and help you connected, stay connected with the body. And if you hear of someone else who didn't get a call, let us know. Another thing we're doing, starting tomorrow, we'd like to help you begin every day with some hope from God's word. Anytime after five o'clock in the morning tomorrow, 
click the Hope for Today button on the homepage of our website and listen to a three to four minute daily reflection on a very short, hope-giving passage from God's Word. Check it out so you can be ready to serve. The second part of preparation, we need to process that hope and work it into our hearts, our inner beings, so that we can be emotionally calm through the hope of God. You, You can't get rid of worry, fear, and confusion. You can overcome them, replace them, overpower them in your mind with the reality of God's truth. It's not because of staying, it's not staying calm because we're denying reality or escaping reality or disengaging from reality, but calm because the hope of Jesus in you is the lens through which we can look at all reality even for that day. Because we are bringing the hope and love of God to bear on our fear, our loneliness, our disorientation. So do you have a short go-to statement from God's word that you are working into your mind every day? Every section of God's word is full of them. Narratives, psalms, prophets, uh, gospels, the letters. All have encouraging hope for today. Several of them have been running through my mind this week. One of them was one we read about through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures. We have hope. Jeremiah chapter 41, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Do not be distracted from your gaze on God because I am with you and will help you. I asked LaDonna this week what her go-to statement from God's word was that she used to calm her heart in some of the, these I've never been this way before situations she's been in. In some of the times where she's had to lead others through. And she said, oh, that's easy. It's Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2. I'm going through my Bible address list in my mind, and I'm thinking, not sure I can find that one in there. She rattled it off, not quite perfectly, but, but the core of it was there. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself or allow myself to be overwhelmed with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child in the arms of its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Powerful. What's the truth from God's word you're bringing to bear on your worries, your concerns, the weight on your mind to encourage your heart and give you hope to endure? Now that's the preparation part of the SERVE acronym. The rest is all rather easily, and we're going to run them through in about two minutes here. It will happen. And we're working hard to help you make it happen with us in your neighborhood and network. First, an overall principle. Serving is simply our, it's releasing our resources for the sake of others within appropriate boundaries. Now, social distancing boundaries are there for a good reason. One of them being that you can't be part of the solution if you put yourself in the ditch, right? But just because there are boundaries doesn't mean we can't serve in some way. Because serving is simply releasing whatever resources we have for the sake of others. Now is not the time for hoarding, although we need to make sure we can plan well. Now is not the time to figure out how we can use other people's panic for our personal gain. I love the definition that author Robert Mulholland uh, gives to the concept of spiritual formation. He says, spiritual formation is a process 
of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. Folks, this is the time that will surface how well we are engaging the journey of life in Jesus, allowing it to form us, and whether this truth has grabbed our hearts and is being released through our actions and words to others. And then a couple of specifics. Number one, every day. Would you validate someone every day with a word of encouragement? How about dividing your day into three sections, morning, afternoon, and evening, and, and once during each part of the day, send a text, an email, a social media message, or do it the old-fashioned way and pick up a phone and call someone. Not to whine, not to stir the pot of fear and worry, but simply to thank them for what they're doing, for something encouraging you've heard about what they have said or done for someone else. You see, let's make it a goal not to stop the virus, but to transcend the impact of the virus by making kindness, encouraging words as contagious as possible. It's amazing how big an impact a little word of encouragement will do. And finally, engage in partnering with someone to make a difference. From the office, we've created a, a calling team. You may want to be able to participate, take part in, in continuing that down the future. We're creating a praying team. Julie Brooks and Pastor Russ and Rick are working on that together. And we've also created a care response team to do things like delivering groceries and prescriptions and emergency need. If you want to be part of that, just email erbc at erbc.ca. You may want to get together with two or three others uh, yourself and form a prayer group through whatever technology works for you or put together, join together with a neighborhood group. Folks, we have never been this way before, but we have a God who is still ahead of us, drawing us into his hope, his love, his truth, drawing us together to serve our world in his name. Can we remember that and give ourselves to that this week? As we close, listen to one final truth from God's word, and it happens to be from Romans chapter 15, just a little later on from that verse that we read earlier. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you entrust yourself to him so that your hope may overflow to everyone around you by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you.